Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worth Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. That's right. Glad you're here with us. As uh, it was the first weekend in August, I guess. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, this is a financial <laughs> program, and we talk about financial matters, uh, retirement planning topics, etc. And yep, just try to help uh, people in their financial lives to get a little bit of peace. Yeah. So glad you are are with us, and I think you'll find this. If you're newer to this program, it's a little different than a lot of financial shows, at least. Um, we think so. We try to have it a little is. levity Actually, with some things. I do listen to a lot of financial shows, and a lot of them are just hour-long infomercials. Oh, most of them. Where the, yeah, products, yeah, yeah, where yeah, the yeah. products are disguised. And if you're not a— Yes, that's exactly right. They it, are disguised. Yeah, if you're not a listener to financial shows or have a background in finance— you can uh, almost imme- I can almost immediately tell whether they're selling uh, indexed annuities, annuities, or life insurance as an investment product. There's one ad that talks about uh, if the stock, if the market falls, if we go through another correction, you're going to lose fifty percent of your forty percent of your account balance. You can't afford to lose that in retirement. So the answer is to take it out of the market, and put it all in in, in annuities. Like, yes. Like okay, well, what about other risks in retirement, like inflation? Which is which is which is a, a <laughs> considerable the, risk yes. right now. If if you're worried about anything, it should be inflation. Um, and by the way, if they, they compare back to the last market decline, you lost forty percent if you had hundred percent equities. And I don't know how many retirees have hundred percent equity. And like every other downturn, it recovered and went on to new highs. Yes, and I mean the Dow. What are we roughly around thirty five thousand new highs again. I like to think back when I started in the industry in 1990, July of 1990, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was around 2,400. And it is today? 35,000. And I think through that, <clears throat> we had uh, the Gulf War, the first Gulf War. Yes. Markets pulled back then. We had the long, t- what was that? Uh, oh, currency? long-term cap, long-term capital? Whatever. Yeah, back in the late late 90s. And the Russian currency crisis and all that stuff. The market had a major pullback. We had, of course, the dot-com. We saw roughly a 45% pullback in the broad stock market. Then we had the financial crisis. We saw over 50% decline in the broad stock market. And here we are today with the Dow at 35000 Now, I have no idea what the next year is going to look like, two years is going to look like, but I'm pretty confident that over the next 20 to 30 years, things will be substantially higher than they are today. And by the way, stock, the stock market or equity market isn't the only place your assets should be. So of course don't, not. So when you listen to us talk like this, there are other alternative asset or asset classes than stocks. But for the investor that has, let's say, 10 plus years before they need their dollars, there's historically been like no better place yeah. than owning Factors of well, let's just put it this way. I don't know of a single pension fund that is actually buying indexed annuities. <laughs> you think? Yes. They do use some hedges in there, but they're not hedging their whole portfolio with indexed annuities. Yeah. And not which, that there's a, there's a place for annuities at times in portfolios. But not the way they're sold. Not the, yeah. The world would be better off without them because they're so often missold. Yes. That's kind of the bottom line. Anyway, let's, uh, we're glad to be here with you today. We've got a great program. We're going to take some calls. We also want to spend a little bit of time on what's been going on with China and what that means to investors, um, particularly those that own foreign stocks. And, and it's just been roughly half a trillion dollars of market value has been lost in the last month on Chinese companies that are listed in the on, on our U.S. stock exchanges. Yeah. These aren't is American depository receipts. Yeah, that's right. It's just been amazing. So we'll spend a little time on that. And of course, we'll take your calls. And I don't think you could actually call them Chinese companies. I think they're Chinese government companies disguised as Chinese. Well, companies. that's what they're feeling like now, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. That's what's. It's just if if you if you're operating a large company that is publicly traded in China. 
don't believe if you're operating one and you're in China, every one of those CEOs know that they are ultimately going to answer to the Chinese government. Well, they know now. <clears throat> I was in China. When were the Beijing Olympics? Whatever that was. That was, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago. And I remember this talking to this Chinese guy. He says, uh, he was asking if I'm going to set up a business in China. I'm like, I have no interest in setting up a business in China. But he said something to the fact that he says, yeah, well, what happens is your first, he says, you, you, you'll never make money on your first business because you'll establish a business, hire employees, whole factory, and then one day you'll show up and no one's working there and you'll find there's the exact same factory across the street where they basically stole all your, your whole idea, <laughs> everything, right? So, then you start again, but you, then you learn how to avoid that. But he says the first time you always lose. They <laughs> just feel it. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk. We'll talk about what this might mean to you. As, as we want as to investors. take your calls, yeah. yeah, to be part of the program. Eight three three ninety nine worth is the number to to join uh, here at All Worth Money Matters. Eight three three ninety nine worth. Numerically, it's eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. We're starting off here with Dan. Dan, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, glad you joined us. Yep. Question I've got is we have recently inherited <clears throat> several hundred thousand dollars and we have a good mix of stocks and one indexed annuity we've held for 20 years and a seven-figure portfolio of real estate. Any suggestions in terms of how we should work with this roughly 500 to 600,000? Where did the dollars come from? From my father's estate, and about a fifth of it came from a small piece of farm ground he still held. The rest of it came from um, half of what's left, about 200 from fixed income, short-term bonds that he complained about the interest rates all the time, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the other half came from some Vanguard mutual funds that he inherited from his father in 1975. <laughs> and have, is, have you liquidated everything? Is it what you're receiving is cash? That is accurate, yeah. Okay. okay. And we're typically a fan of that because, at least under current uh, uh, law, when you receive an asset when, uh, through inheritance, the asset is um, the, the tax basis is stepped up to the yep. fair market value, enables you to sell without any capital gains. Yep. And that's why he never liquidated that Vanguard because of that exact problem. And do you have any debt? Well, we have real estate debt, probably 300000 on a portfolio of probably $2 million. And how old are you, Dan? old <laughs> but <laughs> feel like i'm 35 but i'm 70 thank you very much okay. he lived to be 100 so who knows what's oh. going to happen in the future and so tell me about your uh so you've got two million you said you had two million dollars in real estate and three hundred thousand dollars of debt on that real estate tell me about the rest of the portfolio how's it allocated um well we have uh, well in addition to those numbers we have five hundred thousand currently in investments through different mutual fund families so we've Accumulated over the years, plural, that's about 550000 roughly $2 million in real estate. The debt is fixed interest between three and seven-eighths and four and a quarter. So that's not going to explode on me. I lived through the 1980s um, when it did explode on people. And uh, we're just, we just buy stuff we never sell. In the investments, the 500000 it is in, inside IRAs or 401ks or qualified plans? Actually, or it it's out? about a 75-25. So we've rapidly converted IRAs into Roth over the last five years. 75% Roth, 25% wow. traditional. And inside that $500,000, how much is stock versus? Uh, 100%. 100% stock. Yep. I kind of like your your uh, so if you looked at it, and I assume that you're taking income off your real estate to live on. Is that we are somewhat yeah, our, our our pensions plural social securities is between sixty five and seventy five and what then so we, ultimately what would you like to see these so this is money you received from your father you've already mm -hmm. done a good job saving for yourself you're secure you're retired you've got retirement income now you've got these additional dollars what would you like to see. Uh, where would you like to see these dollars go? How would you like to see them be beneficial to yourself, to somebody else? To like, What's the plan there? Well, I would like to set up everything we own personally are in two different revocable living trusts. But I would like to set up some kind of a trust maybe to benefit some pastoral um, situations. We could maybe finance a pastor going through seminary. That would interest me a lot. 
um, something for maybe our grandchildren, maybe incentivize so that they earn and or accredit um, X dollars in scholarships, then we would give them X dollars or Y dollars in funding for colleges. And how many? I remember how tough it was when I went to college because I worked my way through college, two jobs, and that was no fun. <laughs> um, and, and how many grandchildren do you have? There are five, and that's probably all they'll be. And and how much money is it? You said several hundred thousand. How many hundred thousand? In in the Iris and Roth? No, no, no. In your inheritance. In your inheritance. It's going to probably cap out at six hundred. So he, he, the reason I was asking, like, what what do you want to see these? You know, the ultimate purpose for these dollars. That's what's really going to drive the investment decision because you gave what. Two completely different type of scenarios here. One is some sort of program that will help finance a seminary, it sounds like, for upcoming pastors. And you might want to yeah, do that. just a thought. I know. Yeah, well, well, that, that's, hey, how, yep. that's how everything starts is the thought. And by the way, I, 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 I like the way you're, you're thinking about these dollars because money is a funny thing, right? And, and if, our, our, if all of our focus is just let's see how much we can accumulate by the time we die, um, it's well, studies have showed that that we have much more uh, uh, greater experiences with dollars. Um, I can't even speak today. <laughs> we, we we derive much more pleasure out of experiences with our finances than we do with even just saving or spending on material things, such as mm-hmm. helping your grandkids through their college and having some structure in some sort of education trust where they got to have some skin in the game and you can have some direction there or helping f- fund something that's, that's important to you. You're uh, the ongoing of your religion, essentially. Right. And uh-huh. so, so here's my, my first whack at it. Um, you can take all this money and actually uh, just buy equities with it. You add to your stock portfolio, but I would actually, um, and I've done this with many clients and our advisors have done this with many clients is to put an equivalent dollar amount based on a growth rate uh, on the age of the grandchildren, which means this. Let's say that you wanted each one of the grandchildren to have $75,000 at, re- at their uh, age of, of college uh, t- to help fund the college funds. You would actually put in a different amount based upon the age of each child and an assumed rate of return to get to that 75000 so you'd uh-huh. say, okay, the one-year-old, I'm going to put 40000 yeah. The 15-year-old, I'm going to put 60000 right? So it's an okay. equivalent number at age 70. Now, you'll never hit it right on the head, but you're going to get pretty close. You're going to get pretty close. So I would start with that thesis on the five kids. Then I would probably, you, you asked for my advice, I would probably mm-hmm. pay off that debt at three and seven-eighths and four and a quarter, 100% on okay. the real estate. And then I would actually begin gifting into a charitable trust some of the appreciated assets in your stock holdings that is outside of a Roth or an IRA to the tune of whatever you're comfortable with your pastoral needs, um, maybe $10,000 a year. And, and what, you, yeah, you can, pro- you can probably find a program out there that is a tax-deductible program that can accomplish 90, 95% of what you're looking for. That, that's right. Yep. And, and yep. so okay. you can do it through your local church or parish or synagogue. And what happens is you're taking that highly appreciated asset and you're gifting that. You're not gifting cash. If you've listened mm-hmm. to the show any length of time, you know we're a fan of using a charitable, assets. Uh, appreciated assets and a charitable trust. In fact, I, isn't funny is I was looking at my charitable trust yesterday. And look, when you say charitable trust, it doesn't – it can be – $5,000. It could be 10000 It doesn't have to be hundreds of thousands And you're not talking about a family fa- foundation. You're no. talking about... You, no. You right. set them, but right. uh, Fidelity has them. Vanguard has them. Charles Schwab has them. They're donor-advised funds. They're donor-advised. Local community foundations have yeah. them. Uh, large uh, nonprofits have yeah. them. And the benefit of using those versus family foundations is they lack visibility for the nonprofits to look into. Okay. Well, they're just simple. They're, they're, and they're simple. They're, and to, there's no additional tax that there is in family. family. So what you're going to find by paying off that debt, right? You're going to find that you have approximately an extra 100000 plus, or excuse me, $10,000 a year plus more income. No, my goodness. It'd be more than that. Probably okay. fifty dollars to $100,000 more. Depending income. on how it is. Oh, the depending payments. upon the, the payments are. But this is oh, the yeah. cost of money alone. 
yeah. uh, which is going to be able to provide you uh, increased standard of living. Um, if that's what you want. If that's what you want. Or just, but that's that's how I would swing at it. And if you need okay. help figuring out the amount of dollars based upon the age of the grandchildren to, to achieve a number, and then you're going to fund it using a 529 plan. Sure, sure. So yep, what I'm we just we just yep. used three different techniques. Well, the five twenty nine plan that might not have the same restrictions that he would like, depending on how we. That's, that's you can you can weigh all these things. There's the simplicity of it and the low cost of the five twenty nines. Well, but but what, what, oh, you mean like a match? Yeah, he said match. Yeah, yeah. the five twenty nines. But you can instill a match. You're the one that yeah, owns the five twenty nine plan. He, he's the one who right. You yeah. own the five twenty nine plan. You don't have yep. to. Uh, you know, at the end, the you funny, can change the beneficiary. You got one of the grandkids is not doing so well at age nineteen, let's say, and uh, more interested in car catalogs than college catalogs, and it, you can it, say you don't get any money. Yeah, or I'm only going to give you money if you do this or this or this. You know, you mm-hmm. come and visit me twice a week, and uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> if that's, that's right. what, if you want your grandkids <laughs> to visit you twice a week. But, oh yeah, that'd be okay. But that's, at this, when they're young, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> not when they're nineteen. Um, that's right. But uh, what we just did is we used to achieve the objective. We paid off debt. We used um, a, a tax strategy for both the five twenty nine plans and for the your pastoral needs, which is you know to fund it, um, you know ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And all of those would work. And then now your job is to get into the fine details of it. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, I appreciate it. That's how I approach it. I totally agree with that. We've done it with multiple, multiple clients where they've received inheritances and we figure out what the expected dollar amount will going to be at the time the child goes into college. Yeah, that's what I need. Thank you very much. I'll reach out. Thank you. you Thanks for listening to our show, by the way. And if you're listening to us by podcast, if you would be so kind as to rate the podcast. Review. Review. Oh, we're not allowed to use rate. Are we allowed it's to call rate? review? It's 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 review. Everything's a review. Oh, okay. So review the podcast. <laughs> you could say like click somewhere to review or something. Yes. If you like it. If you don't, please don't bother. Yes. But actually, if you don't like you know, if you don't like the podcast, why are you listening to it? Uh, the Dan's talking about his inheritance. My father father passed away a year and a half ago, and. I, I inherited some money, no, nothing close to that dollar amount that uh, our previous caller had. And I'm being totally transparent here. Your right? father so, passed away. Yeah, a year and a half ago. Yeah. It took a long time, by the way. He did not have a trust, lived in the state of California, no trust. And his son probably mentioned it, I don't know, dozen, two dozen, three dozen. Ah, you know, he was <laughs> proud of me, but he, I was still a little kid. Like, what do I know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, there's still there's still a bit of that. Um, so, yeah, correct, yeah, because he did. Yeah, it was kind of interesting some of the. Anyway, but anyway, but my point is, it took almost a year for the estate to get settled, and I've had this these dollars sitting in an account, not because I, I don't know how to invest them. I'm still trying to grapple with what I want to see these dollars accomplish. Like, do I want to just throw it in the rest of my cash and then kind of forget about it, or would like, do I want to have it? for my, my grandkids someday? Or do I want to have it for my nieces and nephews? Do I want to, whatever. Or do you want to have it for some interest that your father would have really loved, like hiking or Sierra Club? Or And Scott's dad was an interesting guy because he was an urban hiker towards the end of his <laughs> life. And so I went, I didn't know this. I knew Scott's dad well. And it, Scott Scott's father... Uh, is was a completely different person than Scott. Scott's highly organized, um, <laughs> right? Very meticulous. And your dad was the greatest guy in the world to hang out with because everything was an adventure. Everything was an adventure. But at the I, at his funeral service, his friend got up and talked about these urban hikes where they would walk from in Los Angeles for he did two from, days. He did that from the Watts Towers to the Century Tower, and it took him two days, right? They would like once a week do these uh, urban hikes. And he said the nice thing about when you're an old guy, like you don't have to worry about whatever neighborhood you're going. I mean, you're such an old man walking, like who's going to bother you? Is what right. saying, right? <laughs> yeah, he was an interesting character. And his friend was telling me at the service how they would walk for six hours and then spend the night in a hotel in wherever part of ho- the right. town they're in and get up the next day. And they called it urban hiking. Yeah, he told me one day, he took his, one of his grandkids, the grand, grandson was, I don't know, 19 or something. And they were going to ride the uh, 
LA's equivalent of the light rail, subways, whatever the system is. <laughs> he said, well, we're getting in and whatever he was going from. That was going to be the day's the adventure. Day. Oh, yeah, the day with his green With songs? a 19-year-old. Yeah, correct. How to and go. just to people watch. Uh, How'd it go? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, but you bring up a good point. Maybe I should just look at something like that. But it, my, my, I was just being transparent. And, and that's quite common when we inherit money from somewhere. We... Oftentimes we want to say like, what would honor them? Because there's emotion attached to it. Yeah, for sure. Which is which is an interesting thing attaching emotion to a a dollar. Although most people attach emotions to money. Yes, yeah, strong emotions. Yes. Uh, let's continue on here. Eight three three ninety nine worth. We're talking with Greg. Greg, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hello, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. I've been uh, listening to your podcast for a while now. I really appreciate uh, some of the insight you provide. And, and so thank you for that. Thank you. Um, I have two or three different questions, two or three. I'm not sure if it's or and. The first one is whether or not uh, our current nest egg is adequate enough to support us through our current life, lifestyle through retirement with a 2 to 3% distribution. Um, whether our asset mix of 65-35 stocks to bonds is, is appropriate now and going into retirement, and whether or not I should take uh, re, uh, Social Security prior to full retirement age. So a little background. Um, I'm 62. My wife is 64. The kids are grown and out of the house, mostly on their own. Um, we have no debt. We own our own our home outright and don't plan to move at this point since all the kids are local. I think it would take more than a pry bar to get my wife to move yep. away. Um, we're both uh, in reasonably good health. Our combined income currently is about 210. I work part-time from home. I'm a private sector employee, so I don't have a pension. My wife works full-time for the state of California. Uh, she plans to work for at least three more years beyond her full retirement age, at which point she'll be eligible for a pension of about 3100 a month, and she's also eligible for a Social Security of 2700 a month. Um, currently, if I decide to take Social Security now, my Social Security benefit would be about 2300 a month. I but did but do you're a working part-time, correct? I'm working part-time, um, and I expect that's going to fluctuate greatly over time, um, and it's really up to me how much time I want to put in. So that's, that's flexible. But you're, you're considering taking Social Security now, prior to age 66, 67, your full retirement age? Correct. Yeah, that would not be a good idea. Because you're you're limited okay. on how much you can earn. It's what about eighteen thousand a year, Pat? Yeah, it's it's not. Or is it a little higher than that now? It's, it's not, not much. It's not much. And then you lose your benefit. Um, so that the, the answer to the Social Security is you wouldn't even consider taking Social Security until your full retirement age or you cease employment um, considerably, which is you have to be. Well, under that's that actually good to hear because I was that was kind of my plan all along, but since listening to the show. I've heard your opinion on social security and, you know, changes could occur. That's and right. So that got me thinking. Um, yeah, you're limited. It's eight, eight for 2020. Anyway, it was $18,240. So we lose for every $2 you earn above that. You lose a dollar. So, so, so that's off the table of this 210,000. And what do you have in your 401ks, IRAs and other accounts? brokerage account. So our total one. nest egg is about 2.5. It consists, of, like I said, 65 total stock market and, and bond index, 35 bond in, index and cash. Um, it's primarily held within uh, traditional IRAs and a 401k account, as well as a brokerage account and a small 457. We don't okay. have any Roth account. And how much are you saving on a monthly basis um, in your IRAs? In your 401ks, 457s, that sort of thing, or on an um, annual basis? On an annual basis, we're not saving much. We used to save a lot more when I was working full-time. Uh, most of the income that we generate now goes to pay off our current expenses. You okay. pay off your current expenses. What do you mean by that? 
you support your lifestyle? Correct. Got it. And how much are so how much are you putting in a year? So here's how here's how the number works. And I would recommend you go to our website. We're actually running out of time. Yeah, yeah here. we're going to so hold, hold you over the break, and then we'll recap at the other end. Which we don't you... like typically doing, but this is an interesting. And by the way, so far it sounds like you should have a podcast on financial matters because it sounds like you've done a great job. You've done a great job. Um, so we'll hold you over the break, and we'll be right back. Yeah, and kind of <clears throat> summarize and give some solid answers. Yeah, and if you want to join our program, eight three three ninety nine worth is the number. This is Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. All Worth Money Matters. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of All Worth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. But, uh, so we've got uh, Greg on the line. Greg, you're still with us? I am. All right, All right. good. So let's, we'll recap Greg's situation briefly. briefly. We'll so, see if we got it right, yeah, by the way. So uh, Greg wants to know if he can retire comfortably on a 2 to 3% distribution from his investable assets. His allocation is 65% stock, 35% bonds. He's 62 years old. His wife is 64 years old. He has no debt. His current income is $210,000. Greg works for the private sector. His wife works for government. will have a pension at retirement. His wife is also eligible for Social Security, which, by the way, some um, people that work for the government are eligible for Social Security and, and some aren't. So uh, don't believe that you are just because you heard it on the show. Uh, Greg's wife's pension will be $3,100 a month approximately in three years and Social Security at $2,700 a month and Greg at full retirement age. It sounds like his uh, Social Security will be anywhere between $2,300 and $2,500 a month and he has $2.5 million saved in IRAs and Roth IRAs and brokerage. Did we miss anything? You got almost all of it right. So my Social Security at full retirement age would be thirty two hundred. Currently, you. it would be twenty three hundred. All right, that makes a difference. Okay, so how much are you putting into your? I mean, just from a quick and dirty. When you look at Social Security, is going to be between the two of them, roughly six thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pensions another three thousand. That's nine thousand. Let's just call it a hundred thousand dollars a year coming from pension and Social Security. You take a three percent withdrawal on two point five million, yeah, and you're you're one hundred and seventy five. And so the way you go through the calculation is you start with that two hundred and ten. And if you go to our website, uh, allworthfinancial.com, and look under the seven personal decision points, we have lots of information so that you can get to this calculation yourself. And this is how you go through the seven personal decision points. You start with your what you're living on now. What you told us is you're consuming 100% of your after-tax income in order to live today. And your question is, can I continue that same standard of living in retirement? So we start with the 210,000 and you deduct out of that everything that will go away when you retire. And, but, but before that, do you plan on quitting work entirely? Not for the foreseeable future now. Well, let's do the calculation like he is going to and see if he actually qualifies then and everything else there would just be... Well, considering... I mean, the only thing that... You're paying Social Security taxes on most of your 210000 Yeah, so that's $15,000. And your wife is probably also contributing to a pension. And how much is your wife contributing yeah. to a 401k? And you contributing to a 401k? Yes, she contributes to her pension. She's not currently contributing to her 457. I currently contribute a few hundred dollars a month. Okay. Um, to my 401k, and that's it. Okay, so let's just do the math. So you're at $210,000. You're paying 7.65% to Social Security. So right off the top, we're going to round numbers. We're going to take off $16,000. we are going to assume that your wife is probably paying um, – Ten to twelve thousand dollars a year towards her pension, and so now we're going to take the ten thousand off. We've got the two hundred and ten minus the twenty six thousand, right? Now we're at one hundred and eighty four thousand dollars is what your taxable 
what you're living on, which is your taxable income. If I, as Scott alluded to, if I add up your Social Security and your pension at full retirement age, you're going to bring in approximately $110,000 a year. And then I add 3% of distribution on your $2.5 million. That puts you at $185. I'm quickly doing the math. Um, if you're not tracking, go to our website, allworthfinancial.com. Go through the seven personal decision steps for yourself. I'm talking to the rest of the listeners here, Greg. Because okay. this is the same process we wrote. We wrote this process at Allworth because it's an easy-to-understand process, and it's the number one question we receive, which is, what will my income look like compared to my income today in retirement? So the numbers I did is you're living on $184,000. Pre-tax. Pre-tax. The information that you actually just gave me with Same all number. your assets, it's $185,000. So yes, your standard of living with all things remaining equal will go up by $1,000 a year in retirement at a 3% distribution from that $2.5 million. Okay. You're good. Got that works for me. You're perfect. And your wife's still going to, you still have a few more years before you're going to be, I mean, you've hit the point now, Greg, where work's an option and not an obligation. Now, granted, your your wife's got some pensions she's still kind of working for, so that that's helpful. But you're in a point now you can both say, like, I, I'm working because I, I'm choosing to work, not because I have to work. Yeah. And and it's, it's best if you retire at least full-time relatively close to each other just so that the animosity in the household doesn't <laughs> rear its ugly and head. And you asked about uh, the allocation. Look, How if, long have you had it, 65-35? And did you make any changes through any of the downturns in the market since you've been investing? Um, we probably were a little bit more aggressive 10 years ago yeah. or so. That's Yeah, you were and, younger. Yeah, uh, weaned it back. Um, now, now we're looking at. Uh, I'm I'm comfortable sixty five thirty. Yeah, I am too. I am too. Because the reality is, look, th th those don't. That's sixty five percent. You're not going to need to touch that for at least a decade. And markets go through cycles. We just don't know when they're going to start or when they're going to end. But you've got time on your side. Even if you retired today, right. you're not going to spend all hundred percent of your savings in the first year. You are like the poster child of the of the person that has actually managed their. I know. That's why I said he should have his own podcast. Yes. Telling people how he got to that thing. So, so anyway, appreciate the call, Greg. Uh, if you'd like to join our program, 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Tom. Tom, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hey, thank you, uh, Scott and Pat, for taking my call. I was hoping you could help me uh, with a Roth conversion plan. I feel I've made an error over the years of not doing so, and I would like your opinion on what to do now. Alrighty. I have uh, approximately 800 in a rollover and 200 in a traditional, so a total approximately a million, and uh, I turned 65 this year. Any of those after-tax contributions into the traditional IRA? Uh, in the traditional, yeah, about sixty thousand. Okay. Over the years. All right. And are you on Social Security yet? Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm uh, a year and a half away from that. And what's your retirement? Are you married or single? Single. What's your fan ballpark annual income? I'm uh, retired, so I'm living off dividends and interest right now, about 50. How much? 50. And, and how old did you say you were, or did you say you were? 65 this year. Yeah, turned 65 and, this year. Yeah, based upon the note here on my computer, you live in California. Do you plan on staying in California the rest of your life? That's a good question. I don't know. I'm renting now, and I may move, but... I'm not sure. Is that I mean that 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 weighs heavily on how much you should convert to a Roth, if any, because California has got some of the highest taxes in the in the nation, very progressive right. tax structure. So I'd hate for you to convert to Roth and pay seven, eight, nine percent to the state of California, uh, and then right. you move to a state where there is no income taxes or it's very low, and then you just I mean, it, and you're not taking any distributions from these IRAs. 
No. And how okay. much do you have in other savings that you've Quite got? Quite a bit. Interest. Um, well, 3.3 total. Okay. Including the IRAs. So another. 2.3. Yes. 3.3 total. Got everything. It. I don't think it's possible to have a plan to convert your million-dollar IRA to Roth. What I do think is possible is that each fall, you take a look and say, and do a little pro forma, like tax return, like where would you land right now? Look at the current tax rates and make a decision each fall, how much money should I convert from my IRA to a Roth? And Because the way the tax brackets go, it goes from 12% suddenly to 22%, right? There's a big... Um, and you want to take advantage of right. those gaps. So it might be 10,000, it might be 20,000, it might be 30,000. But that in saying right. all that, if you did that and then six months later moved to Nevada, Washington State, Florida, Texas, even lower income tax states such as Arizona or the other of the states, all of them. <laughs> Except Hawaii. I think Hawaii <laughs> In New York. Passed. In New York. New York City. I think it would be the city. <laughs> yeah. But any of the other other any of the other states, then it would have been a mistake, and so or could have been, could you. have been, because your income's mm-hmm. low enough now. Even it would probably still, if you're in a twelve percent federal bracket, right. the, you just, the way you got to do it is just run the numbers. Yeah. And do you do your own tax return? No. Okay, it, it's worth it to have a meeting or even it's a phone or Zoom call with your accountant each fall to do this. Yeah, and just ask the question: How much should I convert this year? And run some numbers. Or, if, or a good financial advisor would be able to tell you yep. as well. Yep. But especially sure. before you start Social Security. You know, and I got to tell you, your, your net worth is $3.3 million. You're renting a home. Um, would I start Social Security early because I was worried about um, means testing on Social Security for high net worth or high income people? If, t- if Tom were my brother, I would say take Social Security, for sure. Because at 3.3 million, he's single. So, so the, the, the You question- have to live to normal than... Uh, uh, your life, you have to live to a, a greater than average life expectancy for it to pay off to wait, first of all. That's right. That's and that's right. assuming that nothing is ever going to change, which we already know something's going to change. So, so that, Because so, the Social Security Trust Fund's going to run out sometime around 2030, 2031. So, in fact, right now, mm-hmm. we, we're doing Social Security workshops. In fact, we've got some coming up in uh, Denver and Cincinnati in the next week. Um, we're doing Social Security workshops. And one of the things that we talk about the Social Security workshop is legislative risk. And what Scott and I are discussing right now with you now, which is what does legislative risk actually mean? And that means is that they change the rules. But fortunately, there's no one in the political environment right now that are trying to target wealthy people. So I, We're not seeing that anywhere. They don't want to increase taxes right. on any people that are savers. So I was watching a— uh, So where—I mean, if you look where Tom is on a bell curve of 65-year-old retirees, you are a fat cat. You are the one that they're going to take benefits away. So I was watching a, um, a video of Elizabeth Warren— interviewing the gentleman that started uh, Home Depot, one of the founders. And his argument to them was, you're talking about a wealth tax. And he said, my wife and I receive over $60,000 a year in Social Security benefits. I'm in my 80s. He said, it is a rounding error. He said, but no one, no one. Now, this and is he's a guy, offering it up to. Yeah, yeah. He says, no one in Congress is going after Social Security, but you're going after this wealth tax. And he said, the problem with wealth tax is that well, it's not all mixes. And how do you calculate it? And then many of it's stuff. Mess, yeah. But he said, why don't you go after the easy stuff first? This is a billion who says go after the easy stuff first take a number and lower social security benefits for those people over a certain number his argument chris christie made the same argument why are we paying social security benefits to someone that makes a million bucks a year i think it was a hundred grand so the question is what is that number and will it be based on wealth or income and by the way you're going to actually have to stay, start taking required minimum distributions at age 72. 72. So, right. 
I would I would make the argument. I know you didn't call about this, but I would make the argument, as would Scott, that go ahead and start taking social security no benefits question. today because you're not working. Um, the same reason you want to you want to take it. The same reason you believe really? that tax rates are going to go up. If you didn't believe tax rates were going to go up in the future, you wouldn't be talking about doing any Roth conversions because it wouldn't matter. Right. Right. So you believe you're going to be taxed higher in the future? And I think the same. That's thing. why I would consider Social Security. Yeah. Taking it now. In fact, so, I would. Before, I'd spend, before full retirement. Oh, yes, correct. So take it today. Take it today. I'd spend full the, retirement. Really? It's an, it's a, it, yes, because the, the every legis- month, every month you go is a month that you don't have that check. Yeah, and it's legislative right. risk. If Social Security trust Assuming fund, you're fully retired, right? He is fully retired. Tom, Social Security trust fund runs out of money, and they say we're going to have to cut benefits. It's right now. It's scheduled like something like twenty-seven percent across the board, twenty-three percent across the board. They're not going to cut benefits to twenty-seven percent or twenty-five percent across the board. Heck They're no. going to go to the people that actually have the most income right. or the highest net worth and take it from them because they can't cut the eighty-year-old widow who's getting eight hundred dollars a month by twenty-five percent. It's just not going to ever fly. I am fifty-eight. I never expect to see a dime of Social Security benefit. And I've been paying in since I was 15. Yes, you do. You're because you're going to be normal retirement age within a decade. I don't think that I oh, think that my income right. is going to yeah, be high right. enough. That that's, that's, I'm hoping my income is high enough. That, <laughs> okay. Right. Who are they going to take it from? They're not going to take it from the people that are living on it. They're going to take it from the people that are excess. And that's why I'd start it today. Yeah. I appreciate the call. And um, obviously you've done quite well financially. So good for you on that. Let's uh, now talk with Steve. Steve, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Yes. Hi, gentlemen. Um, uh, once again, thanks for being there all these years. Uh, another guy that I listen to, a national show host all these years, he retired a few years ago, so you're now my go-to oh, person. Oh, good. Well, thank you. Both of you and whatnot. And really that was Bob, was that there. Bob Brinker? That was Bob Brinker. I, did he retire? Yes, he did retire. Uh, he, I, he, yeah, yeah. His last radio show was that last weekend in September 2018. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed Bob Brinker's show with the exception he, he was a little harsh on people at times, but that just probably. Anyway. Uh, but I, I, yeah. I enjoyed his show for years and years and years as well. How can we, how yeah, can we have helped today, Steve? Okay. Well, I kind of follow on the last call about the Roth conversion. And you answer a lot of my questions there. First of all, yeah, I'm going to collect Social Security. I I turn get the full turn 66 years in two months uh, in November, and I'm going to start collecting it. Um, I, you know, I got about oh 600,000. I'm thinking about doing the Roth conversion too, but you hit the nail on the head about I'm in California and, and I may want to eventually move to Nevada. So I thought about that. That it's a good thing to maybe wait until you make that move to another state. If you, you know, think you so might, if you think you might leave a high tax state in retirement, absolutely would. What what's the what are your rest of your assets like? Um, well, you know, I'm you know, even though I'm retired and I'm I'm collecting a pension, uh, county pension, and I but I'm still you know in the stock market and I am fairly aggressive. I've always been of the of the note that I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive, even in the retirement than most people think. I'm I'm well, you've got a pension. Out. I don't, yeah, I got a pension. Yeah, makes it easy. Yeah. yeah, you don't need the income well, so much. Yeah, well, yeah, but then again, I did have to invade the IRA last year because of family dynamics. I had a sister that desperately needed help. The pandemic ruined her her business and her income, and I found out she was falling behind on rent, and I said, well, let's come to me now. I mean, that's what the money's for, and I rescued her in a big way, but it cost a lot in taxes, but that's what the money's for. I couldn't worry about the taxes last year i wanted my sister to have a still have a roof over her head not having to pay a 125 dollars penalty each month on late rent so you know i mean I, that's that's what i've done with the money but it's not i'm not having to invade it that much so, this year so, so you're, what's your you're you know, thinking about the roth ira conversion what's your total uh income without you use the term rating the ira we actually call it withdrawals <laughs> But <laughs> spend, <laughs> ra- spending some of your savings because rating sounds really <laughs> <laughs> harsh. Okay. Uh, I hope I use a better choice of words. <laughs> um, how much is your income, with the exception of the withdrawal from the IRA? Um, oh, monthly income right now it's probably right at about only twenty five hundred. How big is your pension? That's that's I got two pensions, uh, one from uh, the county. 
and then a small one for my timber industry work many years ago and whatnot. It, they total about twenty six hundred a month. And are you receiving Social Security? No, he's going to take it. No, I, no, no. And I'll is, start that in about four months. Is your home paid for? Oh, I, uh, quick check here. Family dynamics. I'm I got my mother's home that I'm watching out for, but I have to live in a different community because my mom is in the same community in a care facility. So I'm having to pay rent here in El Dorado Hills so I can be within like three miles of her if anything happens. I cannot afford to move down to the house in Sacramento. And what's the value um, of the home in Sacramento? I would say right now about $550,000. And when your mother passes, do you expect uh, that, that you will receive a portion of that in an inheritance? I will, rec- I will receive about two-thirds of that. Okay. I, I may not... Taking Social Security at your normal retirement age may may or may not be the right thing for you to do. Oh, I don't know. Without, I, I would go through the calculations. But kind of a rule of thumb is if you don't need the money, take it. As, if you've got tons of money and you don't need it at all, take it as soon as you can because there's a chance that they might reduce some of it in the future. But if right. you're kind of on, and if you really, if you need the money, then wait as long as possible. I mean, some people just they have to keep working until they're seventy, uh, and then start Social Security then, and then you're you're kind of in the middle there, right? right? So, um, yeah, exactly. I, I would go through exactly. I, I would go through some calculations before I, and and, and I would encourage you to like Pat just mentioned not to be promotional, but <laughs> on our website we've got no, a pretty we've got a pretty good. Um, um, webinar on social security and our, our live workshops. And it goes through some scenarios that says based upon like, if you want to leave a higher inheritance, here's how you should be thinking about it. If you don't, here's how you should be thinking about it. If you're concerned about the stock market, here's how you should be thinking about it. So, so you do not own a home. Correct. So in the perfect world, in a perfect world, if location didn't matter, when you inherit the money from your, your mom, go buy a house for cash in another state and then you can live really really comfortably on that 2600 plus social security in a couple years so about four thousand five thousand dollars a month and the ira you can just keep it on the side and use it when you need it that's how i would actually if you were sitting in the office with any of our advisors that's what our counsel would be yeah okay very good all, all right. right well i appreciate it gentlemen good thanks very much glad you called steve we wish you well and we have a few minutes left and yeah. at the beginning of the program we mentioned we were going to talk about China. <laughs> I tell you, it has been, I mean, when China's economy has been growing like gangbusters for a couple decades now. Which, 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 um, because anytime that comes to a little trip in the road, the government, well, it happens here in the U.S. too. The government has stepped in. They have, you know, they have the, the dark market uh, lending. Uh, they have supported real estate. Time and time again. I remember this. I remember tw- it was probably 20 years ago. I had a client said, Hey, Scott, China seems hot. What do you think about us investing in China? And sometimes investors get confused on what their overall objective is, right? Most people, they're at retirement time. They want to make sure they've got a good retirement income. They want the highest probability of not, mean, of, of not having to change their lifestyle during their lifetime. That's most people's objective at retirement time. But then sometimes people get confused and they watch CNBC or whatever and they think they should be doing it. So we had this conversation about China. This was 20 years ago. And I said, the challenge is you, can in, you, you can't invest the same way a Chinese national can because as a, as a foreigner, you, you can only invest in, it's kind of like a partnership where you've got, you, you you don't well first of all you don't have access to all the books yeah um but you're relying upon that company to to share in the profits it's it's a strange kind of dynamic the way that these are structured and so um we've seen people invest in all kinds of companies we've seen there are lots of chinese companies that are listed on us stock exchanges they're the adrs and we i think we really started seeing this last was it last fall with ant and uh, oh, Jack Ma. Yeah, and Jack Ma. I don't know if it was that long ago. It was going to go public, want to take this company public. Back Until. By, backed by a lot of Western investors. And it was going to be multi-billion dollars, going to be the largest. And then... it was, And he did Alibaba, too. Yeah. And uh, the Chinese government said, no, you're not doing it. Not, not happening. Not only that, we want you to stop doing this in your business, stop doing this. We want you to think about even breaking the company up. So it didn't go public. It was a big kind of, oh my gosh, in the investment world. And then since that time, if we look over the last month, what we've, 
First, they came out and uh, Jenny said, some of these uh, tech stocks, we don't like what you're doing. We don't like the privacy stuff. Um, Ride sharing apps, like just suddenly changing, saying, oh, we're not allowing your app to be used anymore. Just essentially shutting down business. So we saw the value of those stocks go. And then we saw- edu- well, That's the government. So that's political. So there's always- right? Then there was these education, risk. educational companies. That these educational companies, state says, we don't like the way you're doing education, shutting those down. There's some of them fell 70, 80% in value overnight. Now we're seeing gaming companies. And so it's really interesting watching the, the, the state control- Political risk in your portfolio. That's what I'm getting at. It's the political risk. So anytime you step out of the United States, you're taking on one, currency risk, but two, political risk. Yeah. And company risk. Well, there's always the company risk. The yeah. company risk exists everywhere. And if it, you think it, about it, if, for, if you're a long-term investor, which you wouldn't want to own stocks unless you're a long-term investor, you got to be pretty certain that that length of time, the, the, the political establishment is going to be relatively stable. Oh, you mean like Venezuela when they just came in and... You realize that 100 years ago, the turn of uh, the 20th century, Venezuela was the fourth most uh, highest productive com- com- country in the world. I did not know number that. Number four as far as GDP. Venezuela, number four, 100 and just oh, over 100 years what ago. What is it now? 400 and... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's tragic what's happened there, obviously. And it actually can happen at any point in time. It's hard enough to manage political risk in a U.S.-based company stock. And, we're, and look, we're fans of having a portion of uh, portfolio in international stocks. But you just need to make sure you do it the, the right way. Don't. And the people that are it was half a trillion dollars in decline value in the last month of Chinese stocks listed in the U.S. Half a trillion dollars. A lot of people lost a lot of money. Anyway, we're out of time. It's been great having you with us. Uh, we are this same station each week, the same time, or of course our podcast. Um, and uh, we greatly appreciate our podcast listeners as well. Really do. Anyway, it's been good being with you. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth Financials Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.